Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with another NFL breakdown. This is for week 10 now. In week 10, we saw some very just blatantly bad games. We saw some really good games, and we saw the play of the year thus far go down on Sunday night. But of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen, joined alongside our guy, Alex Crop, AK, firing off with AK. Is that what we're going with? I think that's what we're going with. I think that just flows off the tongue. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, that's what I'm talking about. My man, AK, chairman, little 762, come in hot. <laughs> but, of course, as you all know, we will break down every single game from NFL Week 10. We will give you our buy or sell segment, and you'll be a little surprised with this one. Talking maybe a little Jalen Hurts in action, Big Ben with some awards. Is it the end of Drew Brees? We'll break that all down and more a little later in, of course, our Week 11 Power Rankings. But let's just get right into the action, Alex, because we started off on Thursday night with a pivotal AFC South matchup in what's looking to be not a totally bad division. At least the top two teams are decent, but we have the Colts going to Tennessee, winning this one 34-17. And the Titans have to be a little worried, but now the Colts, they move into first place with this. What do you think about this game? You know, I just think this is a a case of I think the Titans' first half of their schedule was very, very easy. I think it's starting to catch up on a little bit. Um, you know, the way they were winning games just wasn't sustainable. I mean, it all started with that Denver game where Goskowski misses every field goal possible, and then they somehow get a win. So I, I think pop, that positive or, or that negative aggression is kind of catching up on them, and they're starting to 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 play like you know, average to slightly above average team that they are. Um, I don't think they have a good defense. I think their offense is very, very game script dependent. If Derrick Henry's not running the ball, if they don't have good offensive line push, if they don't have play action, they're just not going to win the game. It's just that easy. So, you know, when they were, they were looking good, they were up 17, 13, but you know, it's, it seems like when this Colts defense has Darius Leonard, they are just a whole different animal. We talked about it a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago when we we're talking about that comparison with, with, a. Uh, when Sean Lee was playing for those Cowboys teams and they, they had a good defense, just when Darius Leonard plays, everyone else seems like they're not trying to cover for anyone else. They're just doing their job. And Darius Leonard is so elite at his position and covers up so many mistakes that it just completely changes the course of that defense. And the Colts are, they're a good team. Um, I think they're, they're probably the best team in the AFC South. I don't know how much that means as far as a playoff push goes because of Phillip Rivers, you know, pulling the strings back there. They're not, they don't have a high ceiling, but you know, it's a division that needs winning. So why not the Colts to go get it? I mean, it's it's just not a sexy division. So no. it's fitting that a team like the Colts will win that division. At least it's not the worst division in the league. Um, no, and, and this with this, talking about the Colts, and I really do think when, when they drafted, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor, um, in the in the second round, we thought he was going to probably be the guy there in, in Indianapolis. Yeah. And what we've seen so far is that he's been great. He's been a really solid running back, but he's been a really good RB2. And Naeem Himes has really solidified his position as the RB1, whether it be out of the backfield. It's almost like a better Giovanni Bernard that could actually run the football it is kind of what I compare him to. And he, he's, he's almost, he's like a, a really, really light version of Alvin Kamara. And Ooh. you're going to just jump off the page when you hear that comparison, but it's just how they play the game. Mm-hmm. They're, they're past first running backs, but they still have the ability to run more than a Darren Sproles or more than a Gio Bernard or more than, um, you know, those specific, like Tariq Cohen, the specific yeah. pass catching back, 
backs it's they really have. good backup for, I mean, yeah. Phil Rivers, we see when he puts the ball downfield, he throws interceptions. But when he's able to dink and dunk, have a little options out of the backfield, he looks mm-hmm. like a decent quarterback. And that's exactly the kind of running back that he needs. And now the Colts are in prime position to start. They're, they're now overtaking the Titans. They're tied both records 6-3 and three in that AFC South. But with the win over the, the Titans, the Colts now hold the first place. And they could just start to run away with this, especially if the Titans continue to disappoint. Now the next game, um, you know, we talked a few weeks back when we had the Browns and the Raiders. They get a little bit of an asterisk because it was snowing. It wasn't the best condition, but that was a god-awful football game. And we see the Browns with yet another the worst game thus far this season with the Texans going to Cleveland and losing 7-10. to 10. <laughs> I mean, this is just yeah. – but here's, here's where we start to see the calendar flip a little bit. You're starting to see weather impact – a lot of these games that weather impacted mm-hmm. the last two Browns home games impacted the, the Patriots game a lot, you know, all these, all these heavy wind monsoon type weather situations that we have going on completely change the course of an offense. And when you're built like the Browns are, they got Wyatt Teller back this, this week, which was massive for them. They're, he's a top five guard in the league. And when he runs mm-hmm. and when they're, when they're running behind white teller, they just have a much higher success rate when they're doing it. They got Nick Chubb back when they have these really bad games. Baker doesn't have the arm strength to push the ball on the field in high wind monsoon type weather, but they have two solid, solid top 15 running backs in the league, a good offensive line and a defense that can get after the passer. And you don't need much more when you have really, really bad weather like that. Mm-hmm. And especially for the Texans, you don't have a single wide receiver that's able to step up. You have a decline back in, in David Johnson. And it's weeks like this where you look to DeAndre Hopkins' new team and be, man, I really wish we still had him. <laughs> I mean, this is just it's just crazy that the one year Will Ford decides to stay healthy, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins to offset Imagine him. So if they had it's DeAndre just... Hopkins and Will Fuller playing well, oh my, my gosh. They could actually Maybe have a DeAndre... offense. Maybe D Hop had to leave for Will Ford to stay healthy all year. That that was the mojo insane. right there. That was the mojo. At least we gotta move into another game. The Foot Washington name redacted, and I would keep on just having to say <laughs> that every single time. They played the Lions in Detroit, and the Lions come away with this one with the final score of thirty to twenty seven. And Alex Smith is definitely back, maybe. I- <laughs> he, looked, he looked as, as good as he has uh, since coming back from injury. I know that's not saying much, but yeah, it's almost 400 yards passing. No touchdowns, but at least he didn't have like another three, four interception game this week. Um, and also, I love the thing where he's watching game film on Phillip Rivers to learn how to not use his legs or how to play quarterback without <laughs> using his legs. Now, is that, was he, did he intentionally take a shot at Phillip Rivers? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's got to be one of the most backhanded compliments I've ever <laughs> heard from a quarterback to quarterback and from the nicest guy possible. Right. I mean, Philip Rivers got to be sitting there like, it, like, I can't catch a break with these guys. Like, even Alex Smith is taking shots at me. It's kind of crazy. Brings all 12 of his but, uh, and start complaining about Alex Smith. Yeah, I mean, I think that the crazy thing about Alex Smith's line, too, is, I mean, he got drafted in 2006, I believe, mm-hmm. and he – set a career high in pass yards, attempts, and completions, all in the same game, all in a game where he had no touchdowns, no picks, and they lost. It's just oh, like Washington. a testament of 
it's just a testament of, of how crazy, you know, these games can be when a team gets up early. It's almost like when a team gets up early, you just assume that the other team's going to come back for them. I mean, Detroit was winning this game 24 to three. Mm-hmm. And we kind of buried that headline that it was 27, 30 somehow. And I mean, it was a, a dumb chase young personal foul that gave Matt Prater an opportunity to line up from 60 that actually won this game. Hey, Matt Prater still but, has the boot. He he's got a from boot. Denver, man. If it wasn't for his alcohol, but, he'd still probably be in Denver. But that, that's just, oh, that's a whole other story. Can you imagine him at altitude? <laughs> well, he but, is uh, the he does hold the record for the longest field goal in NFL history. This was the Broncos against the Titans back in 2011, I believe. 2012. 61 or 62 yards. It, it was 64. 64? 64. Oh my gosh, what an animal. Got a leg, man. He's yeah, got a leg. And, and that, the only reason that Detroit is any bit relevant is because of Matt Stafford continues to be the most underrated quarterback in the league in the three-touchdown game. But I think the bottom line here is that the Matt Patricia experiment is over. His Patriots defense sucks. And he was not... He could be a decent coordinator. He could have been the guy to help out when he was still in New England. But he's definitely not the guy Mm-mm. not not by a long shot <laughs> that, simple not enough i, I love shot. the wording i i think that's all we need from matt patricia uh the next yeah. game we had the jags taking on the panthers panthers win this one 24 20 and or sorry the the packers excuse me the um packers play down to their opponent taking a page out of the um pittsburgh Steeler playbook and they really only won this game because of an an early 78-yard touchdown. Very nice touchdown, though, to Marquez Valdez-Gantling. And Rodgers was kind of a bit meh against a poor defense. This is just, I mean, same, the exact same script as last week with the, when the Steelers played the Cowboys. You mm-hmm. know you're going to win the game. It's just how do you connect point A from point B, point B being the win. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to break down these games because – the Jags are literally playing with house money. They're not expected to win. Their coach doesn't even want them to win. Their GM's hoping that they get blown out. He doesn't even have to watch this game. But you still have to go out there. You still have to play 60 minutes. Um, one thing that really worries me about this Packers team is the Jags have an average running game. James Robinson's a good running back. Mm-hmm. But they still were able to rip off over 100 yards rushing on this Packers D when <laughs> – they, they can't do anything else. They're playing with a sixth round quarterback named Jake Luton, who doesn't, you know, didn't have a scouting report before two weeks ago. And they still got run on for over five yards of carry. And it's just when you're playing those, those late, late games in the season and you're going against a team, uh, let's, let's just think of a couple teams. The Rams have a good running mm-hmm. offense. The, uh, the Bucks have a good op- running offense. If they actually try to get Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones with 200 yards this week. So, when you get teams like that that can actually play downhill, I just I don't know if that middle of the defense is going to hold up, well, especially because they didn't invest into the trade deadline and get a middle linebacker. Well, Alex, you're talking like the Packers went out and did not draft a single person for their defense in 2020. Oh, wait. <sighs> that's exactly what happened this year. Oh not gosh. Literally, not a single defensive player. All you do is dra- trade up to draft Rodgers' replacement. And we keep on hammering on this but because it, it keeps on coming up. And this is going to be the downfall for the Packers this year, 100%. And it's quite yeah. embarrassing that they haven't done anything to solve this problem. 
and and they had it they had a, a get out of jail free card they could have went out and traded her for a middle linebacker at the trade deadline they just refused to i mean they just decided oh we're, we're just, we'll stick with christian kirksey coming off the ir and let's see how that works out and clearly it's not working out very well at all right now so no. you know it's a middling team they they don't have super bowl aspirations just because that defense is not good frankly that's not playoff defense. rogers can only get you so far so exactly uh, but i mean also the nfc is wide open so mm-hmm. speaking you know, of being wide open the nfc east is still super wide open because their whole division combined doesn't have 10 wins and there's a few uh teams in the league that have 10 wins you could be leading this division in four and five and there's a handful of teams that are able to do that right now it's times like this where i wish the broncos were in the nfc east so i could actually see a playoff team possibly but we had the eagles oh, yeah, <laughs> We'll get to them in a second. Uh, we had the Jeez. Eagles taking on the Giants. Um, Giants coming away with this one, 27-17. And this is, I mean, I'll, I'll put it in quotes, maybe some asterisks, but this is a huge, question mark, NFC East matchup. Uh, the Giants move them <laughs> with one game. And the question I have to ask you now, Alex, is, is Daniel Jones a mobile quarterback? He's been leading the Giants in rushing five out of ten games. And he has 300, almost 400 yards rushing on the season, a touchdown, 15 first downs, and almost a 90-yard touchdown run. So, hypothetically, does Daniel Jones have a little bit of Josh Allen in him? Where he's got, I mean, he's got a big arm. He fumbles the ball a lot, makes a lot of dumb mistakes, but the dude's big, he's athletic, he can run for a lot of touchdowns. And he's got all the physical tools that you think would be would make a good quarterback, but they just love putting the ball on the ground and putting the ball into dangerous positions. I, I think it's it's not a. I mean, they're in the same state, so they're not. Well, they don't play in the same state, but they they're theoretically from the same state. And gosh, this NFC East is just so bad. I mean, you how can we be at a week eleven and the division winner has three wins? That's that's un, that's got to be the first time that's ever happened before in an NFL season, right? It, it, it does. Well, it, at the same time, let me give you this. Insert obligatory NFC East is bad joke. All right, now laugh and clap for me because there we go. There we go. We got that out of the way. And the Eagles, really, really tough. We'll, we'll get to them in uh, in our buy or sell segment because there's mm. uh, there might be a little more something to it, a little bit of contra- controversy brewing over there in the city of brotherly love which is, of course, the same city that threw snowballs to Santa Claus. Moving on into our next game, we had the Bucks taking on the Panthers, doubling up their score, 46-23, to and Tom Brady never has back-to-back bad games. They bounced back from a really god-awful game last week, and Brady, another three touchdowns, and then Ronald Jones, he's proving that he is an NFL RB1. There's a lot of controversy and a lot of talk at the beginning of the season, uh, especially when they brought in Leonard Fournette. How is this offense going to look? Is Ronald Jones really the answer there? And he is proving it. 192 yards on the ground, a touchdown, which was a 98-yard touchdown run, which was phenomenal. That boy was moving, too. He was fast. <laughs> Dude was galloping. Your takeaway from the Bucks, though, is, is this more of what we can expect, or are the Panthers just, eh? Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about a team that, that didn't spend one draft pick on the defense, mm-hmm. and then you look at the Panthers, and they spent every draft pick on defense. And so I think this is kind of what you get. You're, you know, you're in the middle of the year. Uh, really, really tough assignment for the Panthers D coordinator to have to go, all right, let's play the Chiefs on the road, and then let's go 
back up and let's play the Bucks, who just played the worst statistical game in NFL history. Okay, cool. Let's see how this this turns out. And you give up four, three, six, and thirty-three. I don't think it's that much of an indictment on the on the Panthers because it's just a horrible spot for them. Uh, as for the Bucks, this is what they needed. They needed to go out there. They needed to 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 have some rhythm with the run game paired with getting Neil Brown in the mix, not forgetting Gronk there. Um, they, God, Tom Brady just has weapons. I think his biggest issue right now is just making sure everyone's happy. Mike Evans finally got involved today, and I think that was a definitely a point of emphasis. And mm-hmm. so, you know, good teams need one of these games in the middle of the year. It's 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 almost like a pseudo bye week because <laughs> you're able to run your stuff. You're able to get guys feeling healthy, feeling like they have a spot in the offense. They know their role. They're being successful. They're putting up numbers, putting up stats, put up 46 points. Defense plays well. It's it's almost like a reset week. Okay, put the Saints game behind us. This is a good game to build off of on the road, and division opponent. All right, let's move on to week twelve and and let's let's build off this momentum that we've created. So great spot for the Bucks. Not that bad of a look for the Panthers. They're still young. They're still rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it's still yeah. rebuild, but at the same time, they don't look the best. But I do like the direction that Matt Rule is taking this team. I think it's going to be a few years, and you're going to need people to play consistently. But that Panthers team could kind of work their way back up into being contenders again in the next few seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that rule is looking like a good signing, although they're not a winning team right now. You you look past the record, you look past the stats, and look at what that team is building. The eye test to me, uh, I see kind of brighter things in the future. Definitely. And then what's Definitely. nice is next week, as the very – large XL fan that I am, hashtag XFL, never die, can't wait for 2022. We might see Teddy Bridger, is, I mean, although my rule is optimistic about him playing Sunday, we still might be able to see the uncrowned XFL inaugural MVP PJ Walker take the field. He's and, looked good, too. In, in the, the two games where he's had some some some, uh, some reps there, he's mm-hmm. looked like really comfortable back there. I think he can run this offense as good or better than Teddy. And there's a reason he was slinging those sidearm Patrick Mahomes-like passes over there in the, in the XFL. He's a genuinely yeah. good quarterback. I'm so sad that we didn't get preseason. Could have shown the world how good he is. But I guess we'll wait and see what happens this week. Next game, though, I think we just have to say that the Broncos have officially reached lock bottom. Because they go in <laughs> to Vegas and they get blown out 37-12 to through lock. Four interceptions, another shoulder injury, zero consistency, and I, I swear, it, it, I don't know where what to think about this guy. Because one week, he's a, he's the next face of the franchise. The other week, he should have gone cut, not even drafted. And, and I feel like he just flip-flops every other week. And I don't know what to make of the Broncos right now. Because more injuries, another like torn MCL, something like that, on their team. And I just don't know where to go with this. <laughs> So I don't know if we have the tape on this. It's not like it's a podcast and it's recorded, but do you remember like two weeks ago when we were talking about this Drew Locke person and mm-hmm. he had just made a comeback against the Chargers mm-hmm. and we're talking about, oh, like maybe Drew Locke is the answer. He's a franchise quarterback they've been looking for. And I cautioned you to pump the brakes a little bit because, okay, let's just say Drew Locke isn't that good. He's just not that good of a quarterback. And, he, he you know, he's got – you, you can't blame it on the weapons anymore. No, uh, they put some stuff around him. They've drafted a lot of. They, they've put a lot of draft capital into that offense, and it still just doesn't look very good. 
Drew Locke cannot throw four interceptions. No. Just can't. Not to that Raiders secondary. It's not that good of a secondary. Um, God, they just got blown out this game. And, you know, you know, Drew Locke just does not inspire much confidence from an offensive standpoint right now. And, uh, you know, I, I think they're, they're going to use the rest of this year to evaluate if this is – if it's – they give it enough time to move on. Hey, Justin and I Fields think that's Denver, what they're baby. trying to do. Justin yeah, Fields, I mean, Denver – Maybe I think I still believe that I, while I am confused on Drew Locke, I think the Broncos' bigger problem is Pat Shermer in the offensive play calling. It has been suspect in many times this year, but too many third and longs and stuff like that. And let's just move past. Let's talk about the Raiders though, because when you have who needs a good quarterback, which Derek Carr is not, when you have Josh Jacobs just plugging along, rushing for another triple-digit um, game with another couple touchdowns. If you have a run game like Oakland does, you don't need a quarterback, apparently. Yeah. No, of course. And and this is uh, – I, I think the, the Raiders and the Titans have a very, very similar path to victory each week. Lean on the defensive line. Get that run game going. Get some play-action passes going. Run the clock. Bleed it. Do everything you can to make sure that your quarterback does not make a huge mistake. And Carr's been been really good this year because he just has not been asked to do a lot. They haven't been down a ton. Um, they they keep the games like relatively fast. If if you just if you kind of just watch in, in the slate of games that the Raiders play in, they're usually going to be the first to halftime and the first done with the game because they just that's their game script. They want to bleed the clock. They want to run play action. They want to have long sustained drives, 13, 14, 15 play drives. Um, and it's just, it's wearing on a defense. And that's why you see a lot of the score like this. It, it wasn't a 13 or a 37 to 12 game that the Broncos missed a lot of opportunities. Um, but, but it, it, it wears on you because you start to, you keep pounding the rock time after time. And when you get to the third, fourth quarter, defenses start to miss tackles. You start to get, two running backs having the days like that they had in the Raiders. Jacobs had 112 and two touchdowns. Devontae Booker had two touchdowns as well. A little revenge game right there. But, uh, you know, it just wears on you, third and fourth quarter. So that's their game script. If they can execute that, which they can against the lesser teams, they're going to win. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against better teams. And that's kind of where they're at right now, similar to the Titans. It's game script dependent. And, you know, they're average to above average team. Well, it's funny how you bring up revenge game because I want to talk about Devontae Booker, former Bronco. Uh, if, if remember, he was pretty much just underutilized in Denver or maybe just underperforming himself. He just wasn't fit. He didn't do anything great there. Remember, his first carry as a Bronco, he fumbled. But now if we look at the last two weeks in, in, in with um, Las Vegas now, 68 yards, touchdown. Last week, 81 yards, two touchdowns. He's looking good in this John Gruden offense and he might be able to develop into a really solid RB2 for them to depend upon or a guy out of the backfield when you need to give Josh Jacobs a little bit of a breather. But sticking within the AFC West, let's go on to the Chargers at the Dolphins. Dolphins taking this one, 29-21. Another home team getting a dub. And the Chargers lose another one-score game. Our Alex, so, so far this season... There are three teams in the league that have not lost by more than one score in a game. Can you name them? Not lost more than... By more than one score. Say that one more time. Three teams that have not lost by more than one score. 
I'm going to say the Chiefs. I'm going to say the Chargers. And I'm going to say... Is it the Cardinals? It is not. It is the, the Seahawks. Steelers. Ah, oh, well, Steel- I'm an idiot. Come three on, teams man. that have not lost lost a game by more than one score this season. Steelers are a 9-0. The Chiefs are 8-1. And then you have the Chargers at 2-7. That's a crazy stat. <laughs> They're so That's bad. That's crazy. So, at least bright side Charger fans... Herbert's still on pace to probably be rookie of the year. Another three touchdowns. I mean, but, and then on the other side, Tua, another not amazing game, but a solid game nonetheless. And don't look now, but I was talking last week, the Dolphins are so far ahead on the rebuild. I've been hot on them this whole time. I've been talking about this season. Probably going to disappoint me, so I'm wrong. But, hey, that's just the way it goes. But now the Dolphins have won five straight, and their next three games, Broncos, Jets, Bengals. An eight-game winning streak is very, very not out of the mm. picture for the Dolphins. And mm. the AFC East title is still on the mind. Does it go through Miami this year? Oh, my gosh. It goes through Miami. That would be cra- – I mean, that would be crazy. It's just – I mean, it was either the I – mean, I guess you just throw the Jets out and it was a three-team race to start, but – I don't know. I mean, this this Dolphins team is so impressive on every level. I mean, they they play really really good complementary football, mm-hmm. and I think we've said this in a couple of previous pods that when the defense is playing well and everyone is seems like it's cohesive, it, it seems like everyone's on the same page. Brian Flores is doing a really good job at the helm. Um, you know, when you have offense and defense playing complementary football like that, you can have games. Like, like you've seen three different Tua games in the first three games that he started, mm-hmm. and it's all because that defense is playing so freaking well. And then the one game where they don't play well, you still have Tua to be able to balance out the defense. So that first game, didn't ask Tua to do anything. Had an mm-hmm. easy, easy win. Second game, you needed Tua to do something. You needed Tua to to come back, and you needed to to put some off or some some points on that Cardinals team. And he did that. And, and this team in this third game was kind of a, a mix of both. You had a really good defensive game holding down the Chargers. The Chargers sh- should not have scored 21 points after they had that. Uh, um, they had a, a fluky score for that first touchdown. Mm-hmm. But Tua played well again. So when you have defense and Tua playing well, you just have a, a, a formula that doesn't allow for much success from the other team. And and the other team has to play perfect against his Dolphins team to win and, you know, seven times out of 10, they're not going to be able to do that. So when the Dolphins team is clicking all cylinders like this, they are a scary proposition in the AFC right now. 100% agree with you right there. The Dolphins are a legitimately good football team. And I they, they could, I'm not saying that they will, but they definitely can make a lot of noise in that division. And we are going to see them in the playoffs. Imagine if the Dolphins actually get a playoff win this year. Definitely up there for debate. Another team in the AFC East that is currently your number one team still is the Buffalo Bills. And they went to the desert this week and they lost 30-32. to And as we alluded to earlier, the play of the season, DeAndre Hopkins surrounded, getting mugged by three defenders. And he still goes up there and he makes the catch on supposedly... Kyler Murray's first Hail Mary ever. Was this play as crazy as we all think it is? I think that last comment was the craziest part of that whole thing. How can you go 
20, 20 some odd years being a starting quarterback and never throw a Hail Mary. That's, <laughs> that's just how good Kyler Murray's been. He's every single place he's been at, he's won. Yeah. So he's just never been put in that position. He's like, Oh, I don't know how this is how, down at you the end of a, a game. and have to game? throw the ball up. Right. Yeah, this is weird, but it's, but I, I mean, this Cardinals team is starting to get a little scary. I mean, if you imagine if this Cardinals team had a defense where they'd be, I mean, this offense is just so nasty right now. Cliff Kingsbury is dialing things up. You have Kyler Murray running for over 75 yards, 60 yards every single game. DeAndre Hopkins is unstoppable. Kirk and Fitzgerald are really, really good compliments to these guys because you have Fitz who will never drop a pass, and Kirk can take the top off the defense. Unless, um, well, do we want to call what led into interception a drop? Nope. I nope. wouldn't call that one. Nope. That was a nope, hard still, That was a hard catch. Still more tackles than drops in his NFL career. That's still the stupidest stat of all time. Most impressive stat ever. But it shouldn't be a thing. Uh, he's 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 incredible. Then also, Kenyon Drake yeah, yeah, too, seems... for, for the rushing game too. He's been great for them. He was a phenomenal acquisition when they got him for the Dolphins last year. And I think Chase Edmonds is the more explosive back. So you have a two-headed monster monster in the backfield, and you throw in Kyler. You have three legit running threats each 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 play Mm -hmm. and then you have deandre hopkins the best receiver in football kyler murray throws a beautiful ball he's a really good thrower of the football and his skill set right now is scary and i mean it's neck and neck him and mahomes who has the most just talent as a quarterback Mm -hmm. from a rushing perspective and arm talent perspective just the mechanics of that hail mary pass too, running to the left stops on a dime with a rush coming across his body and and it's so hard when you're moving to the left and you're throwing the ball that far down the Mm -hmm. field it's so hard to keep the ball in play because the ball is just going to want to draw on you and go out of bounds but he was able to throw it across his body fight gravity keep it in play throw a very catchable ball to a guy that was parked in the end zone and deandre hopkins is coming down with that ball can we call that play aaron Rodgers-esque? i wouldn't go all the way to to be C.V. Smith and actually full on comparing Kyler Murray to Aaron Rodgers, but can we say that that Hail Mary was kind of in the sense where we saw a couple years ago when the Packers like it, it seemed like they were winning every game with a Hail Mary. I think it was almost like a modified Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary because when Aaron Rodgers does it, he does the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. He starts in the middle, rolls out to the right, and gets a whole heck of a lot of momentum that just gets the ball as far as he wants it. Throws the ball 50 yards in the air. Yeah. He was sprinting for his life to the left against his body, stops in a dime, throws a ball 55 yards in the air. One of the most incredible throws I've ever seen. And it's just the mechanics of it were so hard um, that that Kyler just immediately puts himself into the MVP talks. And I would be hard-pressed to find two guys that would have a better case than him right now. He just – uh, I mean, he had a, a decent game going up, an all-around decent game going into the last play. But that Hail Mary turned a decent game into a now phenomenal game. And maybe the most impressive and or important game in Kyler Murray's career so far. And then if we want to say within the division again, let's go on to the Seahawks at the Rams. And the Seahawks continue to slide after they lose this game, 16-23. to That's now back-to-back losses to the Bills and now the Rams. And they now drop to third in the division, albeit they're tied with two other teams at 6-3. and But by, uh, by uh, meaning of losses, they are now third in the division. And Wilson, 
has another sloppy two interception game and that's now seven turnovers in his last three games yeah i mean russell just does not look like he uh is himself right now i mean it, it, here's here's the luxury that really really elite players have in this league is when you start to see a couple games like this stack up you almost immediately say oh is russell hurt uh what's going on with russell and and it, it's crazy to me that you just immediately think that because of how good russell is and the standard that we keep him to but you know it looks like he's trying to do too much what's definitely not helping him is not having chris carson not having even carlos hyde in the backfield he hasn't had those guys for the last couple of weeks he's been forced to do it all and, and i think you know the whole oddity of let russ cook which has been the most overused phrase this whole this whole it's nfl so season annoying, man. It, it makes it makes sense when you have a running threat, but when you don't have that threat and you're just letting him cook because that's your only option, that's not going to yield success for you. And so, you know, in this situation, granted, you're not going to have many players that can shut down DK Metcalf like Jalen Ramsey did. That's mm-hmm. a one and that's a, that's the best corner in the game by far, and he was the only player that could shut down DK. But he, he still, when you don't have a balanced offense like the Seahawks have right now. You force Russ to do too much. Mm-hmm. He can do too much, but not every game. So he's going to have stinkers like this. He's going to have a stretch of bad games where he throws a lot of, um, you know, he just has a lot of turnovers. So it's not something that's sustainable. Seahawks need to get their running game back. They need to get a more balanced offense to be able to create separation for those receivers on the outside. But they're just – defenses are able to play back right now. Just let Russ try to force balls into pockets that, are, that aren't there, and this is what's going to happen. But this Rams team's a good team. I they're, like this team. Team. I mean, they're they're coming into better talks. I knew you spoke highly of them at the beginning of the season, and they kind of look like they dropped off, and now they're coming back into form. And it's still a very highly competitive um, division, of course, and they still yeah, definitely and, have a chance to win it. And the thing is, though, is that the Seahawks are not a good team without an MVP caliber Wilson. And then also, it seems like that Adams trade is turning into a big win for the Jets. Of course, he was traded earlier this season, along with a fourth-round pick. But in return, the Seahawks gave up two first-round and a third-round pick. Yeah, it's it's a lot for a guy that only brings one asset, and that's being able to blitz as a strong safety. He's mm-hmm. not good in coverage. No. He's not. He's, he's a good run stuffer, but he's a good run stuffer when he's taking outrageous gambles. <laughs> and that's why he gets a lot of press. That's why he gets a lot of notoriety because he takes crazy risks and, you know, converts on a couple of them. He gets a lot of sacks as a safety, which is like, oh, that's crazy. I have my, my you know, 220-pound safety coming off the edge making sacks. That's awesome. But in all reality, he's just a, a riverboat gambler. So when you have that kind of situation, you know, you're going to get some stats, but you lose a lot on the back end that you just don't get from typical safety play. And I don't know. It's just whenever you you trade multiple first rounders for a guy that needs to get paid and is already on a second contract, you just, it doesn't make a much sense from, from a fiscal standpoint or from a team building standpoint. It's just very short-sighted. And the Seahawks could have done a lot better when it comes to building up that defense as we see here in Super Parent. Now the third game, um, finishing off the whole NFC West with this one, we had the Niners taking on the Saints in the New Orleans Dome over there. And the Saints win this one 27-13. The Niners kept it a lot closer for a little bit than expected, especially they got to a 10 nothing lead. But then after that, it was the Alvin Kamara game. He takes over the game, and he dominates with another three-touchdown outing. 
and then it is Drew Brees that leaves the game in half with broken ribs and a collapsed lung. <laughs> it was, that's, that's a tough way to leave a game. <laughs> right? That, 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 um, that can't feel too good. I've never broken nah. a rib or collapsed a lung. I've done a lot of other things, but um, I can't imagine that that feels good when you wake up that Monday morning. No, that's gotta be that's gotta be a tough way to fall asleep too. Not not really a comfortable spot there. Oh, that's, I'm on the lawn. Oh, I'm on the rib there. That's not gonna work. It's a tough situation. Sleep standing up with that. What do you think about this game though? I, I, I like what I saw from the Saints. I thought it was a fine game. I just don't see anything really that much out of this week to write home about for either team. I mean, so so here's here's two ways to look at it. You have the Saints in a similar position as the Packers this week. You're playing an inferior opponent at home you're supposed to win by double digits uh the saints didn't look great but they won by 14 points the packers didn't look great won by um, a little over a field goal so yeah. you know I, I think the saints it's not great to lose your quarterback but it's a situation that they can definitely come back from because Jameis winston is a good backup quarterback i mean dude had freaking 30 touchdowns and led the league in passing last year. That's not something to sniff about. And I think this and kind of, it, it, yeah, I mean, he's got LASIK <laughs> surgery now, so he's a completely different player. And the crazy thing is, is I think this injury less than last year, because last year when you were replacing Bridgewater with Breeze, it was a very similar player. It was just check the ball down. Let's not, you know, create huge plays down the field. Cause we just don't have that kind of arm strength. Jameis is a, different player from every aspect. So he's going to open up this Saints offense. He's going to allow people to start running down the field. And they do have some weapons there. They have, I mean, Sanders is good. Thomas is obviously a, a, a top five underrated. receiver in the league. Yeah, we haven't really seen ever Thomas become a deep threat because that's just not what he's asked to do on that team. He's been running five-yard slants and cutting people up with yards after catch. Exactly. But you have Marquez Callaway and uh, – uh, Traquan Smith there, who are both take the top off the defense kind of guys. So let's see what happens with the Saints offense. They might have Sean Payton might have a, a heck of a an off week right now trying to figure out how many things he can do now that he doesn't have a quarterback that can't throw more than 20 yards on the field. So we might see the Saints team uh, going a little bit of an offensive run here. Um, I don't know if that's going to yield to success in the win column, but it's going to be a lot more fun Saints team, I'll tell you that much. Oh, I, I think that's a fact, and we'll get onto Drew Brees a little bit later in the show with our um, buy or sell segment coming up soon. Um, the next game we had a very nice on paper, I guess, a little bit, maybe in terms of how much they hate each other. The AFC North is just a, it's still just a giant bloodbath, and we had the Bengals take on the Steelers. Steelers remain undefeated with a 36-10 dredging of the Bengals. And the biggest takeaway from this is, uh, unlike their la their game last week against the Cowboys, the Steelers actually don't play down to their opponent. They actually play their style of football. And they actually go out and get a big dominant win over a team that they're supposed to dominate. I know it's yeah. stupid to actually say that and to be surprised they actually did that. But that's the Steelers for you. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good bounce back off of an underwhelming performance last week. They they needed similar similar to the uh, um, similar to the Bucks game. They needed a, a game to just pounce on people again. Mm -hmm. Their offense hadn't been looking that great. Uh, you got everyone involved today. Juju had a big game. Deontay Johnson had a big game. Claypool had a big game. 
Big Ben had a massive game. That defense played really well. Big four touchdowns um, right there. So what bad knee, man? Yeah, what bad knee? Ex- <laughs> exactly. I think what was impressive about this too was that this was another one of those wind games. There was a, a lot of wind going on in Heinz Field, and Big Ben looked pretty unaffected. That arm still has a little bit of juice left. It's almost like when you have that power meter and it's <laughs> it's getting low, but you still got a little sliver there that he can still use for a playoff push. So um you know good win for the Steelers Bengals whatever Joe, Joe Burrow still good yeah I mean he looked kind of like a rookie quarterback but at least he was able to limit the turnovers against a solid defense no turnovers exactly only one touchdown only a couple hundred yards but we can't expect the world of Joe Burrow every single week especially with a bad offense no defense to back him up and then also he's going up against arguably the best defense in the league Joe Burrow looked fine his stats took a little bit of a hit but this is nothing to really talk about in the long run. Yeah, and and that's also a really tough proposition to give uh, Joe Burrow in this offense is go into Heinz Field, you're down multiple scores, wind is howling, mm-hmm. you have an incredible pass rush, a, a defensive backfield from the, the Steelers that loves to take risks, take chances. I'm I'm shocked that Joe Burrow did not have three interceptions today. This was. I mean, all around, honestly, a pretty good performance from Joe to, to not blow up in a, in a game like this. That was almost scripted for him to have a bunch of turnovers, but he was able to, to keep the ball under control. Exactly. And then, as you talked about earlier in the show, we had the worst weather game that we've seen thus far this season. Just pouring rain, a crab ton of wind. We had the Ravens at the Patriots, and the Patriots out-ravening the Ravens. If, if you want to put it that way, I guess. Don't know if that's yeah. the best grammar, but who needs grammar? Uh, the Patriots take this one 23-17, and it's the Patriots grinding out a win in a very, very bad weather game. They score touchdowns in multiple ways. Ken Noon, uh passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown. Rex Burkhead with a touchdown from the wide receiver. Jacoby Myers and a little backwards pass action. And the Ravens are still siding. They've lost 2-3 or three now. They're now three games behind the Steelers. And I was telling you... I was telling you that the worst loss a couple weeks ago when we were talking in the buy or sell was the Ravens that week when they lost to the Steelers because the AOC North is almost already locked up seemingly for Pittsburgh. It is. I mean, they have a three-game lead now with a division win or a division record that's obviously undefeated and a head-to-head win over the Ravens. So here's the problem is that there's – I think there's four or five teams they have – the Browns, the Colts, the Titans, the Ravens, and the Raiders, who are all sitting at six and three in the AFC right now, you have one of those teams are going to get the NFC or the the AFC South. So there's there's already one gone. You have now four teams all with the same record competing for two playoff spots, and the Ravens could theoretically get left out of this picture. So they need to they need to step on the gas pedal a little bit. And it's it's almost um, crunch time for them. And I think that losing Calais Campbell did not help at all, especially against a run-centric team like like New England. I mean, New England has got to be the most run-heavy team from a strictly play-calling basis in the NFL right now. Even when, your, cor- when your quarterback is run, run first, pass second, you know your yeah. team needs the run. Uh, I was saying at the beginning of the season – I, I put the hot take out that Cam Newton is going to have more rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns, and look what's happening right now. I mean, we're, we're on the way for that. You, you look at his yeah, you look at his passing stats right now, and he's got fifteen hundred yards, three touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's very. 
That's you, a little suspect. If you, if I would, uh... if you take out his run stats, he's a bad quarterback. But with his run stats, he's a good, average, maybe he's, sometimes he, above he's average. A he's a quarterback yeah, I would say he's that's exactly on a, average. He, he's a quarterback that's making seven hundred fifty thousand guaranteed. Is what he is. He's a great value. Which is I love that's your that's your that's your that's your hot hot, hot thing right now. Philip Lindsay apparently is a better running back than Saquon. Let's not forget that that was said. Um, and then for the value. For the uh, value. Cam Newton just yeah, Cam Newton's apparently the best player in the NFL because he's got great value there with so many touchdowns. He's, his touchdown to to salary ratio is incredible in your that's eyes. That's the but, stat but we no, this, really this... need, Alex. Screw <laughs> touchdowns. Screw passing yards. What the hell is a QBR anyway? We need touchdowns to dollars okay that, I want to, what, that would be a stat that cam newton could lead in exactly i want to see how many dollars does a quarterback make per touchdown pass and to me <laughs> that will determine the best quarterback in the league well if you're saying touchdown pass cam might not be higher oh sorry just still. touchdowns just touch <laughs> quarterback touchdowns to, to dollars let's go. keep it like that there and let's wrap go. things up with our monday night game we had the Vikings and the Bears, another great divisional matchup over there in a competitive, maybe not in all the right ways, almost like the way the NFC East is competitive, but competitive nonetheless, the NFC North. Vikings taking this one 19-13, and the biggest thing this week, arguably the biggest stat of the entire week, is that Kirk Cousins... Say it, say it. Kirk Cousins gets his first Monday night football win he moves now to one and nine in monday night prime time in his career and kirk cousins is the real deal he is worth all 90 million guaranteed because he has won one monday night football game that is all he needed to get the monkey off the back it's like a i mean it's it's, now, it's he's gonna be MVP. To, now he's gonna be mvp yeah it's it's this this was kirk cousins super bowl you didn't. You don't need to give that man a ring anymore. As long as he gets a W on Monday Night Football, he is good. But also, this this was a really weird game because um, it almost seemed like they were going to run Dalvin Cook no matter if it worked or not. They, he was going to get the ball and got at the least ball twice times, a series. And, yeah, but but the, Kirk Cousins actually looked pretty good today. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson was an animal. Whenever they needed a big play from Kirk, he was able to make it. He converted a lot of third downs um, in the red zone. He was he was efficient. He got two touchdowns in the red zone, mm-hmm. both the Thielen on that second route was a nasty route. I, I mean, we, he we set had the that mandatory interception, but yeah, Adam Thielen, yeah. man, it was a clean, it was a pregame cleats, red man. zone route. It was a pregame cleats. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you that much. Alex Trebek, R.E.P. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, tough, it, tough, uh, t- tough loss for for the the whole. Whole world there with Alex yeah. Trebek. But, it was weird but, seeing Dalvin Cook not like score fifty fantasy points for a week. It was almost like it was a letdown for him to only have about a hundred rushing yards. Yeah, this well, well, this is amazing. this is. I mean, this is actually the Bears' mo. Is every if you look at the stats when when Dalvin Cook plays the Bears, he just doesn't run very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last three times he played him, he had a total of eighty three rushing yards over three games. So he eclipsed that just just yesterday. But you know that. The Bears have a good defense. They don't have a quarterback. Have we heard this narrative before? The answer is yes. Change something. Change something. Change something. And we'll get to who they have to change 
pretty much at the end of the show, we will talk about what exactly they have to change, Alex, okay? And then with this, too, okay. is that, you know, Justin Jefferson, phenomenal rookie guy. He's a stud. He's in, he's in the contention for rookie of the year. Is he going to win it? No, because no we have chance. Justin Herbert, who is a quarterback, and we have Justin Jefferson, who is a wide receiver. But is he in the conversation? Yes. And should he? if he's not, should he be? Hell yes. Justin Jefferson is for for they they gave it with um, they traded away Stephon Diggs and then is seemingly just Adam Thielen now Justin Jefferson I'd say if we're going back to value he's a better guy to have than Stephon Diggs and he's a guy with a great mindset uh one a really good guy to have in the locker room especially as a rookie and he's not bringing along that added baggage or drama that Stephon Diggs had in his last season with the Vikings last year okay two two takes here a you're you're completely forgetting that there is a quarterback that is currently three and zero on an almost division leading team that is a rookie who might he's he's already got more wins than Burrow and Herbert themselves. Yeah, he's played bad. three games. What so what is happens if he, no? But he's what happens? He, he, we'll just play this out. What happens okay. if if Tua goes when did, when did he start? They had a bye week six, yeah. so he's played. So he'll have. 11 games. What if he goes eight and three has a three to one touchdown interception ratio, a couple rushing yards, and they're a four seed in the AFC. Is he the rookie of the year? He would be rookie of the year strictly because his team performed better than the chargers. And we all know um, MVP. How about significantly better than the chargers and the Bengals? Yeah, and what what one thing I was discussing when it comes to like MVPs and stuff like that, and we were talking on episode fifty four of the Fourth Line Podcast when Jalen on, um, our co-host there, we were talking, and I made this the statement that an MVP is a team award in a way because if it doesn't matter if you're the best player in the league, if you're the best player in the league, but your team, your NFL team goes zero sixteen, you're not winning the MVP. You have to be a good, great player on a, at least a good team. So to your credit. We could see Tua come back and get this. It all depends on if he's able to throw for more than 200 yards a game. If we see keep on seeing the same Chargers team and Justin Herbert keep on getting three, four touchdowns a game, then he's going to run away with it. But if Tua does make progress, which he can, he's going to be on the better team. He does not have to play as well as Justin Herbert. He just has to get close. And if he gets close, he's also a very likable guy. There is no doubt in my mind that if he's close to what um, – um, Justin Herbert's doing, and if he's on the better team, he has a great chance of winning that. To your point, agreed. And also, can can we agree that the MVP is pretty much a team award in a lot of the ways? Yeah, I mean it is, it is. So I don't, I don't know if Rookie of the Year kind of follows that same narrative. It's but rookie MVP. MVP is for sure. I, I see yeah, but it's but it's like but but I mean when they delineate it as offensive rookie of the yeah. year and defensive rookie of the year, it's almost like okay, who put up the better stats? So it, it, exactly. I don't know. It, it I mean, no. I I think to it could he, he could be he could it, it, the odds are stacked in a not in his favor right now. And let's look at the Vikings. I was talking about them last week during week nine breakdown, but the Vikings have now won three straight, and they have the 29th hardest remaining schedule in the league. And their only hard games, realistically, are against the Bucks and the Saints this season. And right now, if they keep this up, they keep feeding Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins, like you said, gets a monkey off his back. He's able to start having better games. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, keep on doing this. 
and, and their defense plays better, maybe not good, but we'll see what they can do. They can definitely make a push to the playoffs right now, even though they're sitting at four and five right now, and they they could definitely make at least a seven seed if they keep this up in a weaker think, NFC. Yeah, weaker. The AFC is very, um, or, or the NFC is very, very spread out up top. There's definitely not a clear favorite, and I think you can say that throughout the whole entire you know, top portion of that division. There's just mm-hmm. not a clear, really good team. I mean, when the Bears started, was it five and they one or four five and one and or something like that? They've now lost their last four and they're five and five. Yeah, so it's just like, you almost, you almost, there's huge flaws with every single team up top and the Vikings, you just add them into that list. They don't have a very dynamic passing offense and their defense is suspect at best. But if you have an one elite facet of your game, and you have a couple playmakers on the outside, you can rip off a couple wins in the NFC here. And that's what they're doing right now. And um, I don't know if it's going to yield to a playoff berth, but when you have Dalvin Cook on your team and you have Thielen and Jefferson and you have a defensive-minded coach, you hope that he be, is able to turn it around when the, the schedule turns to December and January. But um, th- they have a fighter's chance here at the playoffs, and you did not think that was going to happen. No five six weeks into the season and now especially with what we got this week we have the now brand new monday night messiah and kirk cousins to take them <laughs> to the promised land alex and watch, watch out when they start flexing games if they ever flex the uh the vikings out it's just a death sentence for anyone who's trying to play them exactly and now alex i've been waiting to say this for a while now but let's move on into our next segment and with that being said Roll the segue. Tell them to bring me my money. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. So we buying or are we selling? There we go. Let's know what you guys think about that. Honestly, I think it's a great way to spice things up. And Alex, we get a little bit of production value in this now, don't mm-hmm. we? Now it's, it's, a, it's a full show now. This thing goes, uh, uh, this, there's levels of this. Hey, there's levels of this game. ESPN, watch out because we're coming for you. But let's start with this oh, yeah, with our yeah. buy or sell segment. And of course, if you guys have been listening, you know how we do this. Five statements. Are, are they, are we going to buy it or are we going to sell it? Um, and then if you, um, and then the first statement, as I alluded to earlier, Alex, when we're talking about the Eagles, a little bit of quarterback controversy. Here's the first statement. Jalen Hurts will be starting in place of Carson Wentz this season. Buy it or sell it? Mm. This, I mean, I know the people that are listening to this on the podcast version could not see how much angst just went over my head there. It was but a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I buy it if this is a bad I mean, okay, this is a bad team. I buy it, or I buy this statement if they're not competing for a division title. I think the fact that they're still in first place in the NFC East, you have to stick with the real quarterback, as they say. It's just just not enough time to implement a new system, especially when you can, you know, theoretically have a shot at making the playoffs. And you know, who, who knows when you get in there? You get a home game. You know, you you obviously play the best wild card team in the NFC, who's going to be a really really good team. Um, it could be the Seahawks. It could be the Cardinals. It could be, uh, I mean, 
could be one of those those NFC South teams that doesn't make it, the Bucks or the Saints. So it's not looking good for the playoffs this year as far as success when you get there. But I feel like if you're in the hunt and you're in division lead, you got to go with your guy. Mm-hmm. And this just is not the year to try out Jalen Hurts. Give him an offseason. Um, let Carson Wentz get thrown out of Philly, not just kind of let out like he's a – And we're, knowing um, those and Philly fans, he will literally – be thrown out of Philadelphia. They'll get thrown out, but I'm saying let's 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 save the Jalen card until things get really, really bad. And I think if you're sitting at the top of the division, doesn't matter how bad it is, mm-hmm. you, you can't throw this big experiment Jalen Hurts into the mix right now because it's just not the right time. And that's so I'm why I have to sell it, but I really want to buy it. And you say that, I say they're going to be competing, and since they're going to be competing. Carson Wentz is going to be sucking later on this season. Like he, he's already been just, he's not the guy. He's not the future. And, and I mean, it was crazy is when they're first drafted, we saw Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, one and two. We saw two really big names. It's kind of a toss up who's going to be taken first. And they had a great first year. At least Carson Wentz said, we're talking almost MVP conversation for Carson Wentz until he went down with that injury. We had Jared Goff, who was looking like the worst of the two, looking like the Rams really just kind of made a bad move. Um, and, and And now what we see is that Jared Goff, I would say is definitely the better quarterback. Carson Wentz definitely is the worst quarterback of the two. I don't like Carson Wentz. And what's going to happen? He's going. To, they're going to be really, really close for for a divisional win, um, for a divisional crown. And Carson Wentz is going to be sucking in the game. And so what we're going to see, we're going to see them pull the trigger on Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is going to be another savior in Philadelphia in, in terms of quarterbacks, and he's going to lead them to that divisional title. Also, just just kind of a side note: if you're any NFC East team right now, there there is no motivation for you to try to go out there and win the division because a, you're not going to get a bunch of ticket sales from fans because you don't have a play. I mean, a playoff game at home means nothing this year. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're going to create this, this huge energy in the fan base because the two teams that are, I mean, all those, unless it's the the Washington football team making a miraculous jump to the division lead, that's the only time I and can see And we see, see Alex this. Smith winning a touchdown in this first yeah, year but back, it's like uh, Super the, Bowl in his first year back. <laughs> you, you could have the same record, but just because you're the division winner, you have a 12 worst picks in the, in the draft. So it just, just there's no motivation to, to win the division this year. They should be competing to not win the division, but that's not going to happen because everyone sees uh, – a playoff spot and they're like, Oh, we got to go get it. You know, let's sacrifice everything to go get it. And let's sacrifice everything to get blown out in the first week of playoffs. It, it, exactly. And to have 12 less draft picks. Doesn't make yeah. any sense. But and stay on the conversation quarterback. So Alex is that Russell Wilson next statement, Russell Wilson will go another season without getting a single MVP vote. By I freaking hate, I hate this narrative this year. It's so dumb because if you look at every single season that Russell had the the capability of winning MVP, there was a really good reason that he wasn't. I mean, <laughs> last year it was Lamar. Lamar had an incredible year. Two years before that, Patrick Mahomes set the entire league <laughs> on fire. And it's just it's it's not because he's not a good player. He's an incredible player. He's 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 got that. He's got that syndrome where he's top three every single year, but he doesn't. He hasn't deserved an MVP vote yet. So everyone just keeps saying this thing like, "Oh, he's never got one before." There's a good reason he shouldn't have. And I think this year's going to be. Oh, I'm going to buy it because he's not going to get a vote this year either. There's there's a quarter. 
There's a better quarterback in his division having a better season than him right now. It's so tough. I think he's got Kyler significantly Murray's, less turnovers. Kyler Murray's Hail Mary on Sunday put the nail in the coffin of Russell Wilson's MVP hopes this season. He was looking great at the beginning of the year, but it's these last three weeks. It's the seven turnovers in three weeks that will guarantee that Russell Wilson is going to go another season without an MVP vote. He'll finish. He might finish the top three quarterback in the league again, but he's not the top quarterback in the league. And I know we're saying quarterback when we should just be saying player, but it's an MVP. It's a quarterback team position. And, that that's just how it goes but um like you alex hell dalvin might have a better he, he might have a better case than russ right now he really he's he it, dalvin cook at least should be in the conversations for mvp he's a running back so unless he has a 2000 yard rushing season and 20 touchdowns to go along with it he's not winning mvp but he should at least be up there third statement alex is that drew Brees' injury now signals the end of his career so are you saying in this statement, I need a little clarification on this mm-hmm. uh, transaction. Are you saying that he's not going to start another game? Or are you saying that this is I'm saying, a sign to him that he shouldn't play anymore? I'm saying that he will not start another game. He may want to, but the reality is, is that with this statement, he will not. So I'm going to sell the statement because he's Drew Brees and he's got a lot of name value and they're not just going to not start him if he's healthy but i would love to buy it if i had that kind of power to to make this happen because i don't think drew Brees is the best quarterback for this team i don't think he's the second best quarterback for this team i I think Taysom and Jameis can both run this offense significantly better than drew Brees. and i'm telling you they're gonna go on an offensive run here in the next couple weeks they're gonna start to look over their shoulder like hmm uh this happened last year with Teddy Bridgewater. We went undefeated, and now it's happened again with Jameis Winston. Maybe we should just uh, kick this old guy to the curb here and just, um, you know, have the team doctors keep telling him he's unhealthy to to come back to the the season. So, man, for this, I want to it, buy he should, it. He should be done. See, I I think with this statement, I'm going to buy it because I love Drew Brees as a person and as a quarterback, and with this. I I think he he could you can make the argument that he's a top five quarterback of all time. Now that might be a different argument for a different show, but you can make the argument he's out there the all time leader in passing yards and all time leader in, in completion percentage. You could say that's just because he dinks and dunks, but there's still a talent to that, and he is one of the all time greats. And what I'm fearing now is he's going to keep on trying to come back and keep on extending his career, try to be like Tom Brady when he's not and when I'm just worried that he's going to ruin his legacy and because I'd love him and I would hate for people's um, opinion on him to sour because we all know sports fans are extremely fickle and we all just change on the flip of a coin except for me because I'm perfect yeah. and you too Alex you're, you're great that's why we do this we're both perfect but you know all, all a lot of the others that one without saying but okay yeah yeah of course of course but it's in preface <laughs> just for the people that are listening some new time listeners so I just wanted to give you guys an insight but <laughs> what I'm saying is that I'm buying the statement just because I hope Drew Brees is done he's proven everything he's won Super Bowls he, he's been at the top of the world he's been MVP and I, I, I just 
he or he's i just i just want him to be done is all he just he the, the problem retirement. the problem the problem no i get that the problem here is though is that since the nfc is he has a realistic chance to uh, maybe make a run at a super bowl any chance to actually win a super bowl against the afc team but i he also got, doesn't help that like tom brady's Saints, in his league you, you his asked division. me last week well, I get that. Yeah, perfect point because he's got a guy that's same age as him doing the exact same thing. But so better. he's gonna be like, "Well, I can't quit. He's not quitting. I right. I need this passing. I need this pass touch record. He's got it right now." So, uh, you know, I don't think he's he's not gonna not play this year because he's got a really good team around him and he doesn't need to be he doesn't need to do much. He needs mm-hmm. to get the ball to Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, and that's it. So he's not gonna. Re- He's going to come back this year, but I really think that this Saints team is going to offensive tear to be in a very, very tough position when Breeze is ready to give it the old go again. Very fair with that one. Our fourth statement of the show is that Big Ben has secured his Comeback Player of the Year award on Sunday. And also in so, he did just really put his name high up on the list for MVP this season. Here's a two-parter for you. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll buy both of those statements because he's on the only undefeated team right now. They have an off quarterback. That's, I mean, that's almost two of the, the three prerequisites right there. Be on the exactly. best team and be the quarterback. So you got those two out of there. Um, comeback player that. Yeah, comeback player of the year. There's not much competition. You thought it was him or Cam this year, and you know Alex, Alex Smith is there working on the the uh, the old the old pity vote. But okay so, yeah, vote. but but I, I think Big Ben is is he's he's miles ahead mm-hmm. in the comeback player of the year discussion if you're going based off logic. So yes. yeah, I'm gonna buy both these statements, and I'm not gonna look back on it. Same with you, Alex. Uh, I mean, didn't one of us? Um, I think I know who say predict in our preseason show that. You know, Big Ben was going to be comeback player of the year, or or might get. Well, I'm always much. right, so I just assumed that that was that was already known. You know, that's fair. Just wanted to give you that little <laughs> pat on the back, you little douche. But I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> I'm buying both of these, hundred um, percent. He he's easily. Go- it's no question that he's going to be comeback player of the year, unless he just falls off a cliff and Alex Smith um, just goes out and throws for five touchdowns a game. And then MVP candidate, definitely for the same exact reasons that you said, Alex, prerequisites, we're just talking MVP, you got to be the quarterback, and you got to be on the good team. He has two of those, and he's definitely going to be a playoff team. And he's definitely going to go deep into the playoffs, at least if they play like they're supposed to. And if he keeps throwing, keeping up like four touchdown games, he might be able to work his way to second highest in voting. It'd be hard pressed for him to beat Patrick Mahomes out. Because it's Patrick Mahomes, and he's a young guy. He's a face of the league. He's not some old bum that uh, hit questionably. Well, let's put it in quotes. Hit on some women um, in, in in you know <laughs> uh, bars and all that. We move past that. But Big yeah. Ben, he's up there buying both of these. And then yeah. something we're losing. Right um, so I was just gonna kind of throw in that that last point of. Patrick Mahomes is it has a, a big issue right now as an MVP candidate because he's not competing against the other week. He's competing against himself. Mm-hmm. So he's got to worry about, am I having my best Patrick Mahomes season? It's the LeBron <laughs> syndrome. It's 
every single year, these guys should be the MVP of their respective leagues, but Mm -hmm. because they, they don't have the narrative, they're expect every single time. If they don't put up career highs, they're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Patrick Mahomes, is he the MVP of the league every year? Yes. Is he going to win it? Probably not. But LeBron James is that that's a legitimate thing. And then Alex, something you were talking about when we were talking about that Bears Vikings game is that the Bears have to do something offensively. They have to solve the problem, and that and so this statement kind of goes to hand with that is that the Bears' offensive problems come from Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, and not Mr. Bisky or B D N. I'm gonna. Uh... I'm going to buy half of that statement because I think that we can't completely take all the blame off it, Trubisky and Nick Foles, because they're both just not good quarterbacks right now. So I don't think it's fair to just completely say this is all a coaching problem. There's definitely a coaching problem you have going on here. You know, Nagy and Laser are both not being able to, to run an efficient offense right now. You can look at, is it the weapons? Well, Allen Robinson's a good player. You know, Anthony Miller's decent. You have Montgomery's a good player. Like your running game is not good. Granted, Montgomery's not a good player. Let's let's stop with that. He's got he's got the one of the lowest elusive elusiveness ratings that we've ever seen out of a running back. He you don't need to be elusive. Just put your head down and get five yards of yard carry. carry. <laughs> he gets three yards of carry. So yeah. uh, there's, there's one issue there. If but he yeah, had a I better mean, offensive line and and, and they knew. And if the defense actually had to respect the pass game, they might actually be able to open something up underneath instead of just being able to stack the box every time and force Nick Foles to actually throw the ball. Yeah, I mean, he definitely doesn't He doesn't have a, the right situation here to, to yield success for him. But, I mean, this Bears offense is just a mess everywhere. It's – there's just – you don't have a calling card when you're the Bears offense. Like, when you need a – when you have – four minutes left to go get a field goal or to go get a touchdown. What are you, what are you doing? What are you calling besides trying to go to Allen Robinson every play? That's your only offense right now. You don't have a, you don't have a go-to guy or a a go-to play. You don't have an identity. You don't have something where you can rest your head on and say, at least we can do this. Well, you just don't have that. So that's, that's the issue with this team right now. And if the defense isn't causing turnovers and short fields, this offense is not going to have a lot of success. You bought half of this. I'm just going to go all in here. I'm going to buy the full statement. Is that sure? To your to your point that Mitch Trubisky definitely not the answer. Nick Foles, a better answer, but still not the right answer. But I, Bill Lazor's offense just it doesn't work. But most of the blame here has to come from Matt Nagy. There the Bills ever since. Have we been able to see anything noticeable from the Bears ever since Matt Nagy took over the head coaching position? No. The, the the biggest headline, the biggest thing that Matt Nagy is known for is trading up to draft Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Holmes. That's the only thing notable, noteworthy that he's done in Chicago. He is just god-awful. There's about five coaches right now that are on a hot, hot, hot seat. And Matt Nagy is probably on the hottest one out of all of those. He should have been fired last season. He should have been fired yesterday. He should have been fired last week. He should have been fired before he even became head coach on this team. And Bill Lazor and the rest of that coaching staff just needs to go with him. The Bears need to empty, empty out the team. They need to focus on rebuilding, re, uh, reloading. And they need a whole different offensive scheme. They need a whole different team chemistry and, and team kind of kind of um 
and, and kind of like a team um, ability. And they, see just, the, they see that complete overhaul. Yeah. I mean, and the GM. Here, here's the GM. one question Pick I pose to you. Just blow it I up. Know, I actually kind of like the, the, the GM is actually pretty good. Yeah. But uh, the, the one thing is, is what did Matt Nagy do to be able to get this leash that he has right now? I mean, I don't he, know. this is his first head. Yeah, he's he, – He's under he's under the Andy Reid coaching tree, which gives him a little bit of slack. But we've given this guy break after break after break, and he's almost latched onto this Mitch Trubisky narrative just so he can need to have a bad offense and not take responsibility for it. And I'm just just trying to think back of like what has this guy done in the previous stops? Like at least when Chip Kelly came to the, the NFL, he had such a huge pedigree as an offensive mm-hmm. genius. But what the heck has Matt Nagy done? He, he, it's his first head coaching job, and he's getting the leash of a 30-year vet. It just doesn't make any sense to me. No, that's a phenomenal point. What? Hey, if any of you guys out there listening to this, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Anchor, anywhere you get your podcast from, let us know uh, your thoughts on this. Answer the question for us. Why is Matt Nagy? Why hasn't Matt Nagy been fired? Where did he get this leash from? You could do that by contacting, um, reaching out to us on Twitter at Fourth Long Radio, um, Instagram at Fourth Long Radio. You can leave a comment on the website too, www.fourthlong.com, or even better, Alex. The best of all, you can go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star review with your answer to this question. And with that question, and with we that read question, we read all of those. Oh, I we read all of those. We want to see your, We want to see all your feedback. Yes. We're we're moldable as as podcast hosts. We want to hear all of your your takes. Throw the hot takes out there. We'll respond to them. Hey, let's you know, uh, let's get those those numbers up, folks. We're a show for the people by the people. We would not be here mm-hmm. without all of you gracious people listening. Love you all. And we and if you like you guys know if for people that have uh, if you do reach out to us on social media, leave a comment on YouTube. We will get back to you. We will interact with you because I have no life. I have nothing better to do. And this is also just fun to reach out to the fans. So that's all just kind of a side point right there. But (laughs) but there is our buy and sell segment. Let's go into our power rankings for week 11. Of course, as a little refresher, my week 10 power rankings went from 5 to 1. Bills, they go from unranked to 5. Saints, unranked to 4. Ravens go up 2 to 3. The Steelers move down one to two, and the Chiefs go up one to the best team in all of football. And we had the Bucks and the Seahawks dropping out of last week's top five. Now, this week's top five, the fifth best team in the league right now, they go from unranked to five. I have making their return to the top five in the power rankings, the Green Bay Packers. I just think that this is... You know, this is see, it's a fickle beast right now. You have no idea who's the elite of the elite. You have a group of really, really good teams. You have the Saints, the Bucks, the Packers, and the Cardinals, and the Seahawks, and and all these these teams right here. They're all really good, but they all have one glaring, glaring mistake. And it's just when you get down to those playoff games, it's who can minimize that one flaw mm-hmm. and I don't know who it's going to – I have no idea who it's going to be. It's and that's why we see right. so much change right now. The Packers – go see, for it. See, Alex, you want to – oh, this is perfect. This is how I will determine the future NFC champion from this year. I will take 
a coin, I'll put it in one of those nice little Plinko machines. And wherever it drops, <laughs> wherever it lands, that will be the winner. And I and tell me, tell me a better way of predicting this. Tell me more accurate. There's literally not this. a better way. Can, can you we have no idea. Wheel? It's literally. I just, mean, you can you can look you can look at it from the NFC is you have all those good teams. You have the Cardinals, incredible offense, super young defense, probably not going to be great in the playoff system. You have the Saints. You have an aging quarterback, but you have an okay defense and really good skill positions, a good offensive line. You have the Bucks, who just got blown out by the Saints. Their offense looked old. Their defense is still good, but their offense just looked completely old. So if you can get pressure on Tom Brady, you can get after him. It's just countless team after team after team just has glaring, glaring errors and flaws of their team. And I just – I don't know how this is going to play out. It's going to be a fun – last uh, little sprint to the playoffs and let's see how they jockey for position in the mm-hmm. NFC. Now, if I know it might not be uh, physically possible, it might be breaking the laws of physics, but if one of you guys are able to make me a seven-sided coin to determine the NFC East wit or the NFC winner, I will let you do a lot of things for the show. I don't know if that's possible, but I'm just putting that out there. Number four, it was kind yeah. of a toss-up between four and five. But on virtue of a win they had earlier this season over the Packers, I went with the Bucks. The Bucks go from being in the top five, getting kicked out of the top five after being blown out. They have a really good bounce back win. And then also, I, it, it, it's just, they're not the best team. But at the same time, especially in that NFC, it, what, what's weird is that this top five is going to be NFC almost heavy at this point. But there's just a lot of teams on the cusp. There's like a good six, seven teams that I, you could easily just keep on throwing in and out of the of the, the top five right now. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. No, it's it's, it's an interesting uh, time to be doing these power rankings because they're just – they're going to switch so often. But even even when you look at each team's specific, um, you know, resume right mm-hmm. now is, is you don't have one that stands out in the NFC. So it's just going to be really, really crazy to see how this all plays out. And we say that like it's a bad thing. It's really not. I love – I love a, a football season with a lot of parody. I, while a part of me, of course, really likes being right, there's another part of me, the more twisted side, that likes not knowing what the hell is going to happen week in and week out. And that does keep me very – the NFL, cannot lie, especially in the NFC, it's been highly entertaining football from a storyline perspective. Yeah, definitely. Number three, we have the Saints moving up from number four to number three. They get to move up a spot on virtue of a good win. And also, they're going to be over the Bucks because they just kicked the crap out of them and they beat them twice this season. <laughs> so there's no yeah. doubt that they're better than the Bucks. No chance. Yeah, we can't we can't put that team ahead. But um, they've 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 gone on a run here. Let's see how they respond with uh, no Drew Brees. I think it's going to be positive. But um, you know, this team could uh, could fluctuate one way or the other in the next couple of weeks and i am here for that ride because it is going to be a nightmare to try to figure out playoffs in the nfc but it's that's gonna be doozy it's gonna be doozy that makes yeah. our job just that much more in, um entertaining and interesting and now i have the last two teams of course between one and two is going to be the undefeated team and the team that's in one and the undefeated team Although they have the best record in football, they are not the best team in football. The Steelers are going to be at number two again, and the Chiefs are still my top team in the league. 
although because it, this is a very close, it's more of one A, one B with the Chiefs and the Steelers. But as I go, as I've talked to with, with when I'm stuck on something, I go neutral site and, and everyone's healthy, perfect weather, who wins a football game. And right now I would have to bet my money on the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if anyone's close right now, to be honest with you either. If you put the Chiefs on a neutral field against anyone, I think that the Chiefs are the heavy favorite against all other 31 teams in the NFL right now, right, which is obviously Alex, why they're the number then. one. Chiefs against the Steelers, neutral site, assume everything's perfect, everything's even. How many po- – what's what's the spread on this game? What's the spread? You're a, you're, you're a Vegas better. I think it's – Or odds maker. I think it's Chiefs Chiefs by four and a half, mm. four points. Mm-hmm. Now that's More a, than a field that's goal, a, less than a touchdown. And that will – the dead zone. And yeah, with I mean, that, it, are you going a fi- to a field goal, bet the spread, Alex? Bet the spread on that one. I'm taking the Chiefs still. I, I, I can't – their team – Patrick Mahomes is that good. He's just – He's unstoppable. I'll take the Steelers. You bet against that guy. But I'll take the Steelers, not winning outright, but beating the spread. I'll I'll t- I'll take a, a closer than I'll take the under on the four and a half. But the Chiefs are just so damn good offensively. I mean, their defense oh, yeah. still definitely has some improving to do. They can definitely make that defense better. But at the same time, that offense is just so damn good. And you could put a you could put a Broncos defense out there, and you're still probably going to win their, um, most football games. Yeah, I mean. But there it's, we uh, the, the Chiefs team's dangerous. So I mean, dangerous is an understatement. A little more dangerous than how uh, Baker Mayfield wakes up. Uh, I'm sure he's not feeling <laughs> dangerous anymore, though. Um, then with this, um, the teams to drop out were, of course, the Ravens and the Bills. The Ravens in that number three spot. They drop from number three. Bills drop out from number five. Um, they are still on the cuffs, though. However, my two teams that are right there close are the teams that play each other, the Bills and the Cardinals. So Cardinals, believe it or not, are really close to being a top five NFL team. Really close. And I'm okay with scary that. Scary thought. Scary, scary thought. Scary thought. That NFC West is just absolutely phenomenal. But to recap, Packers, Bucks, Saints, Steelers, and the Chiefs still. But with that being said, that's going to do it for us this week in our Week 10 NFL Breakdown. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you so much for staying until the end. And a couple cheap plugs, Alex, because we just talked a little bit of footy with our AFL correspondent, Coach Donnie Hess, last night. That show went up today, uh, day recording, a Tuesday. Of course, you can go check that. We broke down every single trade and any transaction that took place during the 2020 AFL trade period. Now, speaking of AFL... You've, you have this very amazing tri-blend foodies underrated t-shirt, Alex. Don't, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very Incredible. Powerful, right? Legit, very. Good stuff. And, I would highly recommend it to my friends and family. Oh, I appreciate that. And also, <laughs> I'll have reviews too. And the cool thing about that, although in Australia, they're weird. They're on the other side, opposite end of the world. They're, right now, we're in the States. We're going to winter. They're going to summer. I know it doesn't make sense. We're not a, a science or weather show. But we, we just do sports, and that's what we stick with. But since we're in America, it's getting a little more colder. And so I'm wearing this fantastic kind of little really nice fleece kind of lined sweatshirt that you can mm-hmm. find with this normal fourth and long one. You can now find our footy is underrated premium fourth and long sweatshirt over there on the shop. Everything is linked. Just go to www.thefourthandlong.com. And also cool, Alex, the thing is the fanny pack is still on the market. 
Wow, mm -hmm. that's big news. Mm -hmm. That's very Randy big. Back on the market, baby. <laughs> wow, that's, uh, that's a game changer. And, and I do fanny pack and the sweatshirt is a combo. And the socks, fanny pack, sweatshirt, socks is the ultimate combo that you will never be able to top. But I, I know I joke about this. I know I plug a lot. I say that to the end to, to, to mind your ears. I know we have the advertisement at the beginning anyway. Uh, but uh, I really do. Everyone that's, that, that's bought merchandise um, and, and that's shown their love for the show. And I see everyone out there wearing your stuff in public and, and making good um, use of it. I really do appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. It makes me feel amazing every time I see that. And I, once again, just want to reiterate, I love every single one of you. But Alex, thank you so much for joining us this week. Pleasure to have you back in our in our presence. I know you had some work stuff last week. I know taking work over priority. Unbelievable. But I will let you guys know we did talk behind the scenes and we got the sword out. Alex is only going to have to do some making up to do. <laughs> All right. Looking forward to next week, Ross. Yes, sir. We will catch you guys in our week 11 breakdown. Keep it tight. Check our interview with Justin James and all that fun stuff. Everything will be linked. And we will catch you guys in the next show.